Welcome to the Grow People Podcast with Pastor Jason. That's that guy right there. If you're, I think I pointed up there. If, you, right if, here. if you're yeah. watching, yeah. Uh, lead pastor of Revolution Church. My name is David Stein, and I'm the campus pastor of our Canton location. The purpose of the Grow People Podcast, everybody in their cars right now, just scream it out. Open your windows. It's nice weather. Scream out to Grow People. That is the purpose of the Grow People Podcast. When were we supposed to scream it? You were you were setting it up good. I did set it up pretty well. You did, yeah. but then it was like it was anticlimactical. Well, I didn't know when we were like. What's the purpose, everybody? Now, you know. Okay, what's the purpose of the Grow People podcast? To grow people. Grow people. <laughs> there, <we go. laughs> there you go. And how do you know that it's nice weather out? Oh, I know. Uh, it, when they're listening, prophecy. To this. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> No, you're prophetic. No, you're prophetic. <laughs> so here's here's. I think you misheard them. They said p- pathetic. <laughs> I, yeah. I, that's that's the joke. No, you're you know you're yeah. prophetic. Yeah. Um, here's a full disclosure. Uh, we record this podcast usually on a Tuesday afternoon, mm-hmm. and once a month we have our all staff meeting. And post meeting, there is always a gathering of our staff for a meal, a shared meal. It's biblical. It is. Uh, today's meal was. I thought mo- you were going to say some Hebrew word there. Um, a seder. It's not a seder. No, no. But I thought you had one. <laughs> I, I probably have one. You probably do. Yeah. Uh, but the shared meal concept is very important uh, biblically. Today we shared the meal of Moe's. So welcome to Moe's. Welcome. Um, I would that was loud. Huh? I would say it was uh, it was unwelcome. Most today, <laughs> most today was unwelcome. And I have a I have a Moses th- never unwelcomed. Well, it's no. I love Mo's. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a Mo's fan. I celebrate Mo's entire catalog. But here's my <laughs> here's here's my catalog pro- or menu catalog. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's an office space reference. Yeah, uh, I know what it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael TPS Bolton. report. Michael Bolton. Yeah, yeah. Celebrate the guy's entire catalog. Yeah, but I, I have a theory on Moe's, and it's not unlike my hot dog theory, which we have talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one's great, second one's okay, third one's a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> my problem with Moe's is I love Moe's, but my first plate of Moe's when it comes off of a buffet is always perfect. Yeah. I I I want for nothing after that plate of Moe's, but I always go back yeah. for just for just a tiny bit maybe like three tor- three nachos and and just some toppings yeah and that always sets me over the edge so uh i'm apologizing ahead of time for any sounds that that may <laughs> that, may, that may happen during this podcast <laughs> any gurgles that may happen during uh, this podcast. i don't know what you mean by sounds if that was going to be accompanied by smells no so <laughs> I, I don't i don't know i don't Hey, uh, suppo- I didn't know what you were warning we're, me for. We're yeah. we are humans, pastors. We're we're supposed to be above reproach, but we're humans. Yes, we're above repro- We're supposed to be above reproach, but we're not above uh, the effects <laughs> of uh, food. No, the 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 second plate is a product of the fall, I believe. It is, <laughs> yeah. no doubt. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I didn't go back for a second plate, mm. uh, and mainly because I I got two to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just pulling back the curtain on just what happened before the podcast today. Uh, the last two podcasts, uh, we covered abortion and LGBTQ, mm-hmm. uh, some some pretty heavy uh, cultural topics that, that people are talking about. Um, today, a, a little less cultural and a little more digging into uh, what you've been talking about in John chapter 12. Um, and, and I would... I would love to preface this by saying 
I was super blessed uh, after I got saved to not intentionally, but just it just happened. I think God just directed me to some really good teaching. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was living in California. I got into some really solid teaching. Uh, you know, regardless of, of what you may think of uh, John MacArthur, I wound up going to his church for six months. Yeah. Didn't understand a word he was saying. <laughs> uh, I, I knew it was probably good. I don't know. Um, but then, you know, got to go to the uh, Shepherds Conference, got to go to Desiring God, heard John mm. Piper and D.A. Carson and Sinclair Ferguson, started listening to those messages. I, I'm, I'm going to say this because I've always had um, whatever church I went to, really good um, expository preaching, but nothing like I'm getting here. Mm. And this is an encouragement to, to the folks that are listening right now that go to Revolution. Make sure you tell people <laughs> that this is unique. The teaching that we get from you uh, is, is not only uh, powerful and spirit-led, but it's also going through each verse of the Bible. And so, as you have said to me, it's the teaching of the Bible, mm -hmm. and not necessarily just because, well, you are a great preacher, but it's not just that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we made this decision years ago, and we've, yeah, we've had this conversation where we used to, we've always done a mix between, you know, kind of series-driven or scripture-driven, although I would say I've always taught exegetically. Um, even if it was on a topic, I would kind of stick to one set of verses and go through it. But we we used to do more kind of shorter series and then spliced in between that. We go through books of the Bible and we just kind of flipped that mm -hmm. years ago intentionally to say we want, because again, we wanted to disciple people into the teaching of the Bible, not disciple them to a teacher. Right. And I do think that's a danger we can get into in church sometimes where the, it's more about hearing this specific person and their teaching style versus no, here's the teaching of scripture. Mm -hmm. And so that was a conviction that I had. And I, I wanted to teach primarily through books of the Bible because people just are much less biblically literate now. You know, we just don't, we don't, we have our, our time and attention is taken in so many directions that we just don't get into the text. Um, and so it was a conviction that we had as a church just to start just teaching through books of the Bible more than we did anything else so that people understood the teaching of the Bible right. and not so much about, oh, I like this teacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I want to encourage people, uh, don't ever take this for granted. Mm -hmm. This this is not normal. And, and sadly, yeah, sadly Sometimes, it's not. yeah. It's not normal. Now, there are great churches and pastors that do teach through the Bible, yeah. but what we are getting here at Revolution Church, uh, I, I believe, is for such a time as this, mm. uh, that the church has been set up to hear this kind of teaching. Um, and I, I don't think you get what you preached last week, John chapter 12, verses 37 through 43, passe picare and passe non picare and uh, an exposition of Latin without preparing the church for this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely takes some time because again, you think, you think about a diet, you know, um, we always think about a diet in terms of like restricting ourselves from eating, but diet by definition just means my my, what is in my normal eating? You know, what am I, what's my steady diet of something? And so 
I do feel like that now that we have for years just been teaching through books of the Bible, whether it was Romans or the book of Micah or Galatians or now John, that we're in a better diet, mm-hmm. you know, yes. um, as a church where we're getting more, um, you know, even to use the Bible word, more meats yes. and vegetables, you know, uh, and then have used other things as supplements, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of go on top of that whether it be we're talking about a subject, uh, whether it's like parenting or leaving a legacy or whatever that mm-hmm. was, um, those things are good, and we do need to cover those. And I do think that pastors, we have a responsibility to be sensitive to the Spirit about, okay, what what does our church need in this moment? Mm-hmm. But what I think is really cool when you stick to a book of the Bible is you didn't. there's things that you didn't know you need mm-hmm. um, that just by going through it, you're like, Oh, I guess the church is ready for this now. We yeah. they need this, you right. know. And that's what I felt this weekend. The church was ready to hear the fact that we have uh, the ability to sin. We are still able to sin, mm-hmm. and then we have the ability to not sin. Um, we lost. We lost. We lost. We, yeah. we lost the ability to. Did you not, listen to the teaching? <laughs> I, yeah, I did it three times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so when you started out with, okay, I'm going to teach you some Latin this weekend. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that 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 got me going. Yeah, being a Latin major, a Latin major, yeah. which is yeah. crazy. I mean, that's almost 40 years ago. Yeah, How? God knew. God, God knew 25 years before I got saved. Mm-hmm. That I would be using Latin and ancient Greek, and that's what I was majoring in. Mm-hmm. He knew before he made the full, foundation of the world. Yeah, full disclosure, it was the only thing I was passing. But <laughs> um, so, kind of, kind of walk us through how important that teaching was for the church in this moment. Yeah, I think it's uh, what's interesting is you know the subject matter that we dealt with in the text this week is. It's framed uh, a lot of times based upon kind of the major theologians throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've heard people come and ask me, hey, are you a Calvinist? Are you or whatever? Because mm-hmm. certain elements. But what, I, in fact, I got that question this weekend. Like, what is, where is the church Calvinistic? Um, and what I like to respond back to people is, I'm like, well, it depends on what you mean by that, mm-hmm. you know, um, or I'll say, you know, rather famously, yes or no, you know, mm-hmm. and where I'm going with that is the reason why I think it's important is I think a lot of people have preconceived notions about what they think something means. Right. And so therefore they're rejecting something that they don't completely understand. Um, we do this all the time. You know, we get, we get bits and pieces of information, you know, which is why one of our statements around here is assume the best, mm-hmm. you know, we want to assume the best about somebody. And this issue in particularly, you know, it <clears throat> it pits together God's sovereignty and man's free will. And the way it's presented a lot of times is those two are equal things. You know, now the Bible does speak of the sovereignty of God, and it does speak of the free will of man, but not in the way that we normally think of those categories. So the reason why I think this teaching was so important and to frame it the way that I was trying to is like, okay, let's not start with your preconceived notions. Like I didn't mention Calvin at all. Right. Because the ironic thing is Cal- John Calvin wasn't a Calvinist. Um, it came about after his death. Um, and it was his followers that actually turned it into 
a system of thinking, but even that, it was a response to Arminius and his followers. So the five points of Calvinism were rebuttals Mm -hmm. to the five points of Arminianism. So again, people get caught up in those, and there's probably some people listening to this that don't even know what I'm talking about, but we're just talking about theologians in church history, but people always frame it that way Mm -hmm. to where what I was trying to do, and I think obviously what the Bible was trying to do is like, hey, I heard someone say one time, which was so helpful, like if uh, I wish I could draw, if I would have thought about this, we might have had a whiteboard in here and I would have drawn it out for people. Uh, But those of you watching kind of get it. But if you're listening, you can't. But if you think about this in terms of a timeline, Mm -hmm. you know, in a linear point, like on a graph, there's a point that when we went from BC to AD, you know, at the birth of Christ, and here we are now 2022 years later in the timeline. Well, Calvin was in the 15th century. Augustine was in the fourth century. When we're looking back to the text, we look back through human history. Mm. So we're judging what happened in the Bible through the people who came before us and what they thought about it. Got it. And what I was trying to do is say, no, 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 let's, let's not, let's not go again. Are you Calvinist? Well, let's go further back. Let's not start there. Let's start with what Jesus said. Hmm. Let's start with what the Bible said. Always a good place to start. Always a great place to start. And if we start there, and again, it's hard for all of us, because all of us, even myself, come to the text with preconceived notions, Um, which, and you mentioned this a second ago, exegetical preaching, there's exegetical and expository, or I think you said expository. Mm -hmm. Expository preaching is going through a book verse by verse. Exegetical preaching is getting out what is in the text. Mm-hmm. It's it's the the um, um, not pronoun preposition. Uh, you know, ex exo it means out, out of. of. Yes. So exegetical preaching is what is there, and I'm trying to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Eisegesis is the opposite. I'm putting into right. So again, kind of thinking historically, mm-hmm. when a lot of people read the Bible, they're putting into it their preconceived notions of what they already think about. Mm-hmm. Calvinism or Arminianism or whatever. And what I'm, I think what we all should do and what I was trying to do is let, let's not start there, which mm-hmm. is why I didn't even mention them and say, okay, what is this? What is Jesus getting at here? And particularly, uh, <clears throat> well, in this text, it was John talking. It wasn't Jesus, but there was two things that struck me as I was studying that first John, you know, giving a summary of what happened in the ministry, the public ministry of Jesus there was two things that John said. First, he said they did not believe, and then he said they could not believe. They did not, and then I, you put those together. And I was thinking about this afterwards, and this is the problem with sometimes preaching is I think of really good stuff after I'm already done with it, which is why I like the podcast. But I was thinking on Sunday afterwards, I'm like, oh, I wish I would have made a bigger deal about this, this phrase. They did not because they could not. Mm-hmm. To where a lot of times we think about people's they did not because they would not. Mm. They didn't do it because they weren't willing to do it. But what John is saying is, no, they didn't do it because they couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. There's a difference. There's a difference between being able to and choosing not to, and then not being able to. Well, just again, a straight reading of the text says they didn't do it because they couldn't do it. 
And that gets into, again, the concept of original sin and the definition of free will. A lot of times people in the church think of the word free will, again, with a preconceived notion of a secular version of free will, that mankind is inherently free and they are free moral agents to where they can choose good or choose bad. But what the Bible says is you are free to choose, but you're broken. And you would never choose good Mm -hmm. because fundamentally you're enslaved. You're not free. Um, And that's where those Latin phrases come in, which those came from Augustine. Uh, I heard them from R.C. Sproul and, you know, R.C. died a few years ago. To me, he was the greatest living theologian alive. Um, And I was really, really, I've been reading, I'm almost done with a biography of him and RC really helped me understand that years ago from Augustine who explained it with those Latin phrases of passe picare, which passe is the Latin word for possible or being able to, and picare means to sin. So passe picare means I'm able to sin. And then passe non picare means I'm able to not sin. So again, as a recap, Adam, when God created mankind, he created the Adam, the first at the first man. Um, Adam was completely free in that he had the passe picari, the ability to sin, and the passe non picari, the ability to not sin. But once he chose to sin, there was a consequence to that. And the Bible describes it like death came into the world. So something died, something was lost. After that, no one disputes that Mm -hmm. in the church, but what people do dispute, and I don't think they fully understand that they dispute it is to the degree to which something was lost. People who think too much about man's free will would say, yeah, definitely. It was like, he was wounded. He was, we lost a lot and sin entered the world, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't dead to where again, Biblically speaking, the Bible, that's just the way the Bible speaks of us. We are now dead in our trespasses and sins. So every human being, after Adam and Eve, um, although, the, again, the Bible blames Adam, were born, so Adam and Eve's kids were born, they had the passe picari, they had the ability to sin, but they lost the ability to not sin, which means... They only had the ability to sin. That's all they had. And that's what the doctrine of original sin means. So again, all that to say what John was saying and what I think Jesus was saying, what the Bible is saying, and again, and people dispute this and that's okay. We can agree to disagree, although we can talk about the disagreement, which I think would be helpful. Um, The Bible is saying, John is saying, they didn't do it because they couldn't. They didn't have the ability to, Mm -hmm. they didn't have the passe. They didn't have the possibility. And that's the only thing that makes sense in consideration of how deep the original sin went. Mm -hmm. Again, we're not fundamentally good people that occasionally choose bad. We are fundamentally dead people unable to not sin. Yeah. And and another definition of passe is power. Power. We, we don't have the power. We to. don't have the power. And yeah. hence, uh, and you have said this many a time, uh, we wouldn't even have the power to choose if God had not given us the power. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, 
I do think it's important again to highlight because again, a lot of times people talk about the sovereignty of God as if it can't exist with the free will of man because they say it's determinism. Well, no, it's not determinism in that sense in that it wasn't predetermined ahead of time how, but how that function in, in God's minds, I don't know it mind, not plural. Um, as, as, as Isaiah said, his ways are higher than mine. So and I was talking to one guy after um, in Canton on Sunday, and I told him, I said, listen, man, what seem to be inherent contradictions in the human mind are not with God. Correct. So what we know is that God is ultimately sovereign over everything that happens. As RC said, there is no ma- maverick molecule that's not under the control <laughs> of the sovereignty of God. And man has free will. But the again, the basic point is, we have free will. Adam had free will, but Adam had a more free will than we do. He was more free than we are because we were born after sin and death entered the world. And so we, lo- we were born without the ability that Adam had. And that's what makes it so important to understand Christ. Because when Christ came, which is why the Bible calls him the second Adam, he was the one who had the passe picari, the passe non picari. He had the ability to sin, and he he had to have the ability to sin or else it wouldn't be a true sacrifice. And he also had the ability to not sin, which is why the Bible so amazingly, strikingly, really, compares Adam and Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, Adam fell in the garden. Jesus succeeded in the garden. Um, Adam was banished um, outside, you know, well, Jesus willingly went outside to bring us back in, mm-hmm. you know? So that's why Jesus is the second Adam. Um, and so we either are in Adam, which means we're dead or we're in Christ and he makes us alive. And so when Jesus by grace through faith, when Jesus opens our eyes or regenerates us, then we respond, then we have the ability now, mm-hmm. um, so I'm not saying we, as I told this guy, I'm not saying we don't choose. We do. But before Christ, we would only choose death. We would only choose life without God. That's right. But then when Christ awakens us by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is John 3, then he enables now us to choose him. And we do. Mm-hmm. We do choose him in faith. Um, and the theological terms are, for those are monergism and synergism, which right. mono means one Synergy means two things working together. So my point is regeneration is monergistic. It's God alone acting. Once he does that, then I join in because now I'm alive and I choose him. Mm -hmm. As you said, the order matters. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say a second ago. And this is where I want to be clear to people because there's, again, there's people in our church that would disagree with me and Mm -hmm. that's fine. And this is what I told, uh, I was having this conversation Here's, here's how I land it. Cause again, I have dear friends of mine, pastors that see this differently than me and that's fine. But again, I think a lot of times the reason why they see it differently is cause they've, they've, it's been mischaracterized to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's where I land with people. We believe that faith, um, or sorry, regeneration precedes faith. Yes. That is the reformed view, mm-hmm. which is what we are, which ironically every Protestant <laughs> is reformed in the sense of 
we came about because of the Protestant Reformation, mm-hmm. which is when, you know, breaking away from the Catholic Church. So again, historically speaking, the majority report is on the Reformed view side. The minority report is on the quote unquote Arminian side. Um, but where I land with people is we believe that regeneration precedes faith, but the Arminian view believes that faith precedes regeneration mm-hmm. and people where I, where we would, I would disagree with what I tell them is as long as you agree that faith and regeneration go together, I'm fine. Yes. We're fine. We believe it happens in a certain way mm-hmm. an order and you believe it happens in a different order, but as long as you agree that works are not involved, mm-hmm. you know, which that's where the debate is. The faith, if faith precedes regeneration, then some people consider that a work. That, that's that's a very good way to look at it because we we don't want to have such a divide no. between us that it costs us the gospel. It, it that it costs us the mission that Jesus has us in. Absolutely. So um, that that distinction is important because we've all had conversations with friends, even relatives that yeah. that have a disagreement about this, and it yeah. causes a divide to the point where churches split. Yeah, that's one. And I mentioned it. I don't know if I mentioned it in every gathering. I know I mentioned it in one of them. And and it's sad to say this, but I'm going to laugh, uh, even though it's not really funny. One of the things that is ironic about people who hold the reformed view is a lot of times they're really arrogant jerks about it. Mm-hmm. Which is funny, like how can I have a whole viewpoint of I had nothing to do with it, but yet then I'm arrogant about it. Right. So there is there is something to be said that there's a lot of people, again, a lot of people have rejected the Reformed view because of people who held it mm-hmm. were not very nice people. Uh, like they, they were very um, prideful in their viewpoints, which is why, again, I wanted to say on here... That's not what we're saying. No. Um, what the church's position is in terms of of being justified before God, or sa- we would use the word saved, is faith and regeneration. Two sides of the same coin. Again, we would say from the church's perspective that regeneration precedes faith. But if someone says no, faith precedes, there's the most, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome. Welcome. Welcome to most. If someone says, no, I believe that faith precedes regeneration, I would say, that's fine. Again, as long as you believe it's faith and regeneration, like that's it. And and not you had something to do with not it. Not you had something to do, not, not the Catholic understanding of no faith plus works equals justification. Mm-hmm. No. Because that's a misunderstanding of James, right? You know, uh, and what James was saying. So that's where, yes, we don't want to be use this. I'm not trying to use this as a club to beat somebody up with. Because to me, it's not divisive. To me, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. The fact that I was dead, that I wasn't seeking for God, and this is where people wrestle with it because of the implications of what that means, but. I just want to choose the faith or the theological position that glorifies God the most Mm -hmm. and not highlights my role in it in any way. Mm -hmm. Because I wasn't looking for God, just like you weren't looking for God. Yeah, and and when you said that, it it just really shifted my 
my thought process of what was happening between 2004 and 2006. Yeah. Because it's very easy to say, hey, I was searching. Um, but no, I, I was being drawn. You were being drawn, and and even to use the, the week's prior message, talking about crisis and judgment, mm -hmm. you weren't seeking for God. You were seeking for joy mm -hmm. because your life was falling apart. Yes. But what you didn't know was that God was the source of that. Mm -hmm. And that's when he came. And that's where people wrestle with the terms like irresistible grace. We can resist it. It's not that grace isn't resistible. It's resistible. We resist it all the time. It's that God overcomes our resistance. And that's the most amazing part. Yep. This is not the most. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's just remembering where I was. Well, and that's why I wanted you to even like let's sit in that moment for a second, even though it may feel awkward is that is the response that it has. Because you're sitting here at a place of saying, it was by sheer grace. Yeah. God revealed himself to you. God overcame your resistance to him. And this is where, again, this is why I don't feel like we have to shy away at all mm -hmm. from the reformed position. Because I don't like that, like people will say, well, God's a gentleman. He will never force himself onto you. And I get why people feel like they have to defend God like that, uh, because it makes God will never force you into something. Well, then why pray? Yeah. If God has no power to overcome anybody's resistance, then what are you asking God to do? Mm -hmm. No, I want a God that overcomes people. I want a God that, because what we have to remember is God isn't forcing himself on somebody in some kind of like, it's weird. I don't like that argument with the people make a lot of times because it makes it like this is, I'm like, why would you even assign some kind of creepy motive to God like that? God's not overcoming a person mm. in that sense. God's overcoming all the spiritual forces that are oppressing that person. Yes. God is overcoming death to get to that person. That's the way the Bible describes it. Death exists on that person and God's overcoming it and bringing them out of the grave. I don't think a dead person that's in the grave has any problem with someone coming and yanking them out. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? Pre preach, <laughs> preach that. And, and, if, and, and if you're not getting that wherever you're going to church, yeah. find a place that is preaching that. Yeah, well, I would say so, yes. yes. Which, again, it's, not, it's okay. Um, they don't have to say it exactly like that is yeah. my point. But I just think that, that's why we don't like to shy away from it. Right. That's why I want to celebrate it. Cause to me, that's not a bad thing. Um, it's not a bad thing that God drew me out of death. Like I don't want a God that goes halfway and then makes me go the other half. You know, I want a God that jumps all in yes. um, and overcomes death, overcomes my resistance and my obstinance, my unwillingness and my inability, I can, I'm trying to think of every term I can think of here, <laughs> my inability and unwillingness to get to him. Yes. I don't see that as a creepy thing. Uh, that would be like me drowning and I'm, although the Bible says I'm already dead, so this is not a very fitting metaphor, but it's the only one I can think of. If I'm drowning and someone jumps in and violently rescues me, I'm not going to be like, why were you so violent with me? Mm -hmm. 
and be like, thank you, my gosh, mm-hmm. that you did that. Yeah. And that's where I just don't understand the argument sometimes where people are like, well, God would never force himself on you. Um, well, that I don't think you understand the dire prediction, the predicament we're in. R.C. Sproul said, God goes to the depths of the ocean to raise our dead body. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's where, that's why we land where we land on this, theologically speaking, because dead people don't do anything. So I'm not spiritually wounded. Mm-hmm. I'm spiritually dead. Yeah. I don't have the ability to do it. And that's what John was saying. Mm-hmm. They did not because they could not. To where a lot of times our preaching is more of like, well, they did not because they wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not that you're right. They wouldn't do it. But the reason is because they couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. They couldn't. Not just they wouldn't. That is a, that is a lot of truth and a lot of love. And, and that's, that's how we preach here at, at Revolution. Uh, you're going to wrap up John chapter 12 this week, or actually last week. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of when this podcast drops. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then you're going to go on what you've been doing for many years mm-hmm. is taking a preaching break uh, in June and July. Yeah. Yeah. We started doing this years ago and it's not a, it's not a sabbatical. That's something else. Um, because a sabbatical, you know, comes every, depending upon your persuasion, seven years, 10 years, whatever, which we'll talk more about that at another time. This is a time for me every year just to take a break from the routine of preaching. Um, and yes, sometimes I do go on vacation, but a lot of times I'm, I'm still working. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just spending time with the Lord. Um, and, and I'm thinking and praying about, you know, the church and what God wants. Cause we say this often, this is his church and this is his people. Right. So he's the one who determines the direction, not me. It's just my job, like Moses to spend 40 days with him and get it, mm-hmm. you know, um, kind of thing. So, and I told you this the, the other week, like it's so easy for me and any preacher to get into the habit of reading my Bible to preach it instead of just reading my Bible for me mm-hmm. to enjoy it. Um, and, you know, I, I have on my phone, you know, I have the Bible app and every day I open it up, look at the verse of the day, think about it. But I, I don't every day get my physical printed Bible and I have a journaling Bible and get it and write in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to, but I don't, I just don't, you know, we're human. So the good thing about a preaching break, what it does is it allows me as a pastor to just be fed by the Holy spirit, to just be fed by the word of God, to just read the scriptures, spend time with God, get myself out of this rhythm of preaching all the time and feeding everybody else. Um, so yeah, we started doing that years ago and it's been great. And uh, the first week I'll actually be on mission camp, which is again, not really much of a break, <laughs> but it's my son's last mission camp. It's my daughter's first. And so I'm going to go serve as a team member, uh, which I'm excited about. And then I'm taking Jackson on a father son trip uh, to Colorado, which will be great. Uh, and then just a couple weeks of, you know, again, just not having to worry about preaching and feeding everybody else and just taking some time to feed myself. So I do want to talk about that father-son trip uh, in just a minute because it it does stem from something that you preached at the end of 2021, which was leading a legacy. Yeah, yeah. And you can't leave a legacy unless you lead a legacy. So I want to 
kind of hear the thought process behind the, the father-son trip. Uh, but just because Pastor Jason is taking a preaching break, that does not give uh, carte blanche to taking a church break. No, no, no. And I'm glad you said that. And and again, we've done it enough now that I think a lot of people understand it, but we do have a lot of new people in our church mm-hmm. too. Again, another one of our values or our cultural statements is we get the right five letters. It's about listening to Jesus, not Jason. And and I do believe I have a teaching gift. Yes. Um, and or else I wouldn't do it. But I'm not the only one who has a teaching gift. You have a teaching gift. Pastor Chad does. Dave and Jeremy, our student ministers. Um, so it's a twofold benefit. I get a break from from exercising my gift, and then it allows other people to exercise their gift. And the body is built up as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning about the difference between falling in love with a teacher and falling in love with teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to fall in love with teaching, not necessarily teachers. We can appreciate, right. and the Bible says we should give double honor to those who teach, which that is true. We should do that. Um, but we shouldn't have the mentality of, well, I'm only taught by this person. Um Paul addresses that in first Corinthians. Mm-hmm. It was like, well, I like Paul, Paul, I like Apollos. And he was like, listen, I planted Apollos water, but God gave him the growth, mm-hmm. man. Like it's on God. Right. It doesn't matter if it's me or if it's Apollos. Mm-hmm. So my point is this is actually really healthy for our church for me to take a break. Um, it's healthy for me in the long term, which is good for our church. And it's also healthy for our church to hear other perspectives. Um, we're still going to be going through the gospel of John. Y'all are all going to teach through John 13. And yeah. I, I'm, I get super excited to listen to y'all to hear your perspectives on it. Cause in the same way, I may say something that like I was Jeremy, our Jasper student minister was texting me uh, about the message we were talking about with Posse Picard. He's like, man, I never thought about it like that. Well, in the same way, when Dave teaches or Jeremy teaches or you or Chad teach, there's things that y'all say that I never thought of. And so it's, it's healthy and good for our church to hear from other gifted teachers. Um, again, it all needs to flow in the same vein mm-hmm. of the, we don't want heresy. You know, we don't want people that are coming and teaching something that's not true, but it's good for our, cause I won't be the teacher here forever. Um, I, you know, I'll be here as long as the Lord has me here and hopefully that's until I retire. Um, but, and this is part of our vision to multiply. We want to raise up teachers. Right. And I love it even in our students. Like we had uh, Peyton, one of our interns taught. Uh, we have a bunch of people teach. Chris Garcia, there's a lot of people that teach in students. And and I love that mm-hmm. because we are developing teachers. Right. And that's our vision here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so don't take a break from church this summer. No. Uh, now, vacations are fine. Of course, we all should take a break. But that's the beauty of technology. You can watch online. Yeah. You can give online. You can stay engaged in the life of the church. Mm-hmm. So yeah, take a break, but don't don't take a break just because uh, like oh, Pastor Jason's not going to be there for four weeks, so I'm not going. Well, that's mm-hmm. then you're going for the wrong reasons. Yeah, and and our sinful nature, especially when you're inviting somebody to church, yeah, is like oh oh, he's he's not the regular pastor. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I hate but, that. But, but yeah. let me let me just tell you something. People get saved when. Dave Arbogast preaches. Of course. People get saved when Jeremy Whitehead of preaches. Course, People yeah. get saved when Pastor Chad preaches. And so when you preach, since you won't mention yourself, oh, I'll mention you. Okay. Yes. Um, so the, the Holy Spirit is here. Absolutely. Regardless of who is on that stage. Absolutely. And and that's that's a a testament to, 
to you uh, understanding uh, that that is important for the life of the church? Yeah, when I came, and I've said this many times, and so those that have been around have heard this, that was actually one of the, the best things that ever happened to me is I didn't start this church. And I think a lot of guys who start the church, I actually call it, a, I have a phrase, I call it founder's disease. Mm-hmm. They founded it, so therefore they, they overestimate their importance to it, mm-hmm. um, to where I didn't start this church. And so this church was here before me, so therefore I can't take any credit for it. Um, but when I came, there was two things that I did, which is our whole mission statement. I want it to be built on the person of Jesus, not me, and on the process of growth. Um, because we're, I'm not trying to build a great teaching ministry. I'm trying to build a great church. Mm-hmm. Now, the great, a great church must be built on great teaching, yes. So you can't have a great church and have bad teaching, um, which ironically is happening to a lot of mainline churches now. Right. You know, they've gone crazy in their teaching, and they're not great churches anymore. Um, but yes, that is... I think that is a blessing. Well, not I think I know that's a blessing that God gave me and then gave our church that it's not built on me or I, or my personality. Mm-hmm. I want it to be built on the person of Jesus and on the process of growth. Amen. Amen. Excellent. So, uh, part of your preaching break will be at mission camp. Part of your preaching break will be in Colorado with Jackson, your son, uh, what what was your thought process? Because I think this is important. I, I don't have children. I don't mm-hmm. have biological children. We have a lot of spiritual children. Uh, but if you are a dad or, or a mom mm-hmm. um, and you have children, there's going to be a time where they're not going to be at home anymore. Yeah. So I'm sure that was part of this process. Oh, 100%. I've, I started reading and that and that's really part of our whole rev kids ministry you know the idea of the marbles in a jar that you know when your kids are young you put however many weeks you have left and you take them out and it's a visual res- representation that one day they're leaving and i've been reading this book called intentional father and i've mentioned it a couple times i actually just wrote an article in around canton magazine that'll come out i think in in june maybe july around this theme and cool yeah it was really cool uh, honored to do it. Um, about there's going to come a moment when my son will drive away or we will drive away and leave him. Um, and it's at that moment, what do I want him to know, what I want him to be, and what I, what do I want him to be able to do? And that's really the premise of the book and being intentional about that. And then one of the things he says is, what experiences do I need to create in order for those things to happen? Um, and he talks a lot about the power of moments. And so I knew Jackson was leaving. He's playing football in college. And so that's coming even sooner. Um, and so I wanted a time where him and I could go away and, and have some adventure and have fun, but then have a time in, in a true biblical old mm-hmm. Testament sense where I bless him, mm-hmm. you know, um, cause the, the, the idea of a father's blessing in the old Testament was everything. Um, and it was conferring not only, I love you, but now all that I am is wrapped up in you. Mm. And and literally from an Old Testament sense, it was the father's fortune now went to the firstborn son. And so now the father's legacy was literally right there in front of him. And it's like, and this is where the story of the prodigal son 
which I don't like that title because it's not about one son, it's about two. But the reason why the older son got so mad in that story is when the father gave the wealth to the younger son, it actually took it away from the older brother. Mm-hmm. That was his now. Right. So the, the concept of blessing is I'm saying to my son, hey, son, you know, you're a man, you're leaving, you're going to be out on your own, but who I am is tied up in who you are. And now I want you, I want to help you succeed. And this is what this is. And so, and it's also an approvalness. It's like when Jesus was baptized and you heard the father say, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. So I want Jackson to work from approval, not for it. Hmm. You know, it's the same with grace. We work from the approval of God, our father. And so I want my son to know, son, I approve of you. Mm. I love you. I bless you. And I want you to now work from that, mm. not for it. Wow. That's so good. Um, and I know he's excited. He is. Yeah. Thankfully, he's, he doesn't think it's hokey or weird. Of course, we're going to play golf, whitewater rafting. We're going to do some mm. cool things. So he's excited about all of that. Um, but he also knows we're going, I've told him we're going to go away and, you know, we're going to have some conversations. Yeah. So yeah, he's, he's looking forward yeah, to it. I love the intentionality uh, of that. So uh, we covered a lot in, in today's podcast and, um, you know, we just want to uh, pray for your preaching break that you return refreshed. So over, over the next four weeks, we will not have a podcast. Yeah. Uh, we will return uh, recording the next podcast, uh, third week of July. Mm-hmm. So it'll drop then. Uh, but we do want our church to be praying for pastor Jason, uh, during this four week, uh, preaching break, uh, pray. How, how do you want, how do you want the church to pray for you? Yeah, I would really kind of what I just said mm-hmm. uh, about my own son. Um, f- this is a great time for me to remind myself that, or for God to remind me, I'm not working for the approval of God. Mm-hmm. You know, Galatians 1.10. Um, am I working for the approval of man or the approval of God? So this is, I think the worst thing about ministry is we try to do things for God mm-hmm. instead of with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been so many times, and I almost got us into that again, um, where we get ahead of God. Mm-hmm. You know, because we've got, I feel like God has given us a great vision and and I get so excited about that stuff. Right. But I can move too quickly and try to do it for God instead of doing it with God. So I think the biggest prayer for me that I would appreciate from people is just to have time with God, mm. um, to spend quality for God to create moments, just like I'm creating a moment with my son to tell my son I approve of him for me to have time with God, to hear from God saying he approves of me Mm. um, in Christ, you know, and to just remind me of he's with me, he's for me, and he will finish what he started. And he doesn't need me to do it, which is a great, it's another great reason for me to take a break. I'm not so important that this church, I mean, if I died tomorrow, you know, people would be sad, I hope, but we would be sad. Yeah, I, I would want the yeah. church to continue. Yeah. You know. Um, and, and you mentioned that at the team member party uh, a couple of weeks ago, how during the worship weekend uh, a month ago, yeah, you were able to go to both campuses and not do anything, yeah. just be and worship and sing and 
um, and pray. And you saw, and I, I loved how you said this, you saw the church ministering to the church. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, and that was, it was profound. In both locations, I was crying because, yeah, I always want to use, again, this is what I was saying about, I'm not trying to use the church to build a platform for me. I'm trying to build a platform. I'm trying to use the church to build a platform for others. Mm. Um, and I want to use whatever gifts he's given me to create stages and opportunities for others to stand on. Um, and those weekends are always super special now because, and weekends where I'm not teaching and other people are teaching are super special to me because it's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, people are standing on our platforms and our church, you know, cause the preaching, the platform of the church, like literally, you know, there's a platform out there and there's a, you know, we don't have a pulpit, but we have a table there's a lot of power there. You know, there's a lot of power in the platform because God invested it there, but we should share that mm-hmm. um, and use that power not to exalt ourselves because Jesus didn't, but to use it to make a way for others uh, to stand on that and exercise their gifts. Mm. Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, you have your mandate if you're listening uh, to pray for pastor Jason to those things that he just shared. Um, and then uh, this weekend, Pastor Chad will preach on Father's Day weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, dads, we have a gift for you. Yeah, you're not going to so, want to miss it. Yeah, it's not bacon. It's not donuts. Um, <laughs> not that those are bad. We've done those in the past. <laughs> There's a little bit more substance. It'll last a little bit longer, it, hopefully. It, it yeah. will. So, so make sure uh, that you're here on Thursday or on Sunday. And then I will continue in John chapter 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, the week after, Pastor Dave, uh, Dave our student minister, will uh, preach the following weekend. And then Jeremy Whitehead, our Jasper student minister, mm-hmm. uh, will preach the last weekend. Then we're going to have a worship weekend, mm-hmm. which is going to be incredible following up from the previous worship weekend where God moved. Yeah, it was awesome. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Um, lots of emails. We get a lot of correspondence uh, about the podcast lately, uh, people loving the podcast. Um, somebody said that they loved the last one so much they wanted to write down everything we said. And I, and <laughs> yeah. I thought, oh, that's that's interesting. And then I went, oh, that's how we end the that's podcast. That's how we end yes, it every yes. time. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for, for a, a transcript. transcript of today's podcast, just write down everything we say. And as always, we end the podcast with the best advice we have ever heard. Trust God and take a note.